I want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Joseph, but God meant it for good. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Repentance, Forgiveness, and Reconciliation, Part 3, God Stories. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at this topic of relational reconciliation as God works. We've been looking at the life of Joseph, first talking about repentance, then what it looks like to give life-giving forgiveness and to walk in forgiveness. Today, I want to look at the last topic, reconciliation. The title of the message today is Repentance, Forgiveness, and Reconciliation, Part 3. Here it is, God's Stories. God's Stories. Now, when you think about reconciliation, maybe you're asking the question, well, what's the advantage of reconciliation? For me to forgive someone has a cost. Is it really worth it? Is it worth the effort? Maybe I know that God wants me to do it, but, but, but pastor, show me what difference does it make? And then how do I, maybe you're asking this question, even if I want to, how do I pursue reconciliation? Now, before we go there, if you have your Bible, why don't you open with me to Genesis 45, 25. But before you go there, what are you looking for in life? What are you chasing? Are you chasing a me story? A grand story, that the story that is your life. Are you chasing a, a me story that is, that is your dream, the American dream, the dream your parents gave you, whatever that dream is? Are you chasing a me story or are you chasing a God story? Because Joseph had to choose between those. It might have been easier at a certain point just to write a me story, stay second in command in Egypt and leave my family to themselves. But Joseph chose something bigger. He chose a God story, and I'm hoping that that is going to stir up in your heart as we go to the text. Let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 45, verse 25. It says, so they went up. Now, this is all of the brothers, the 11 brothers. They went out of, up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan and to their father. Now, for all of us, the tension is gone. We read last week. We know what's happening. We know that Joseph has just revealed himself to his brothers and that there is reconciliation and that the lost dead brother has come back to life in a sense. But Jacob doesn't know that. And I want you to put yourself, we're going to look a little closely at Jacob's life. Here is Jacob. He's sent his, all of his sons, including his favorite son remaining, Benjamin. And Jacob is living in this tension. Now, on a global level, the family is all happy. And he has no clue. You could say that ignorance is what? No, it's, ignorance is a mess, a big mess. Look at the text. It says, and they came and they told him. Imagine these words coming into Jacob's ears. Joseph is still alive. I'm not sure which is harder to grasp. Jesus coming back from the grave or Joseph who has been dead for 22 years and now Jacob hears that he's alive. Boom. Well, similar to Jesus, 
It's a, or well, they say he is, he is, this is, you can get this, not as he's still alive, we ran into him in the marketplace. He is ruler over all the land of Egypt and Jacob's heart became numb for he did not believe them, not a whole lot different than the disciples responding to Jesus' resurrection. Verse 27, but when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when Jacob saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father revived, and Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. I love the beauty of what's going on here. God touched Jacob's life when he was fragile, vulnerable, and poured out his grace on Jacob. Now notice what it says in the text. It says that Jacob did not believe He could not wrap his mind around what God was doing. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you could not even wrap your mind around what God was doing? Oh, to God that we would have three or four or five of those moments in our lives. In fact, if you haven't had one of those, maybe you should be praying for one of those. God, give me a moment that cannot be explained by human effort. Where God, you do a a God story that I can't even wrap my mind around. And what I love here in this is it says that the spirit of Jacob was revived. You know, sometimes we underestimate how our lives could change. How things that would change in our lives would impact us. He says, Joseph is still alive. I will go see him before I die. And here's the crazy thing. Jacob's been talking a lot about death. And it's not stopping. There's more coming. Here's the thing I want to say to Jacob. Dude, dude, slow the dying thing down. You got 17 more years coming. But see, this reconciliation, Jacob was at the end. He thought, if I lose Benjamin, I'm done. I have nothing else to live for. Maybe you're in a place today where you're like, I haven't got a whole lot to live for. And God would speak something into your life today. Here's the first major impact of reconciliation. Jot this down. Reconciliation is life-giving. Reconciliation is life-giving. The beauty of reconciliation in this story, the life-giving nature of it, we're going to see that Joseph weeping, which talks a lot about Joseph crying, talks more about Joseph crying than I think anybody else in scripture. He's just in a moment where all that had been packed down in his soul for years and decades is now coming up, but but it's gonna happen in a life-giving way. Tears of joy. But then think about Jacob here, who is talking about death. If I lose my child, I will die. I will go down to the grave Even now, even after finding out about Joseph, he's talking about, I'm about to die. And yet, death for Jacob will be altered by this text. It will be a sweet and peaceful season of his life because of reconciliation. Sometimes we can view this whole thing of reconciliation as though we're outside of it. Okay, the text, this story is clearly the story of another family, but sometimes as we're coming to the text, we can keep ourselves at a safe distance. This is not a text that's meant to be kept at a safe distance. It's a text that's meant to be experienced and engaged. When we think of reconciliation, we often begin by thinking about it in our own terms, how God could reconcile us to someone else. Is it worth it? What would it be like? 
But hear carefully when I say this, reconciling matters more to God than to us. I want to jump just for a moment to the New Testament. Obviously, all of God's word is together a story, a story of redemption. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have found forgiveness in Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to him, then you are in Christ. You are a part of the people in Christ. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation is life-giving, but I also want you to see this. Jot this down. Reconciliation reveals the heart and presence of God. One thing you want to, if you want to understand who God is, that is part of why we come together and open God's word. We want to understand more and more the God that loves us. God is a God of, help me here. You're in the sermon. God is a God of what? Now preach it to me here. God is a God of? And he writes God's stories. God is a God that reconciles us first vertically. Our relationship with him is restored. But God is also a God that then wants to see us reconciled to one another. The horizontal part now. Jacob experienced the beauty of reconciliation in his family between Joseph and his brothers. And though it's not talked about in the text, there also needed to be a kind of a little bit of reconciliation between Jacob and his sons who had been deceiving him for 22 years about where their other brother went. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that story, right? But here's another thing that God did in Jacob. God also used Jacob and enabled him to be a part of reconciling or bringing reconciliation between the brothers. Now you're going to see this later in the text that Jacob's going to become a third party reconciler. And if you could call this the instigator or maintainer of reconciliation. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. You know, one of those moments that I enjoyed as a parent, you get about two or three or four of these types of moments. The moment when um, my boys have a dance or a wedding or something they're going to, and they come in and say, hey, dad, dad, can I grab one of your ties? They have literally had zero interest in ties, which, honestly, I'm not much of a tie guy either, but I have a few. And they say, hey, dad, can I use a tie? And they go and they look through them. Oh, that one's good. That one must have been from the 80s. It probably was. Um, and then they ask the question, dad, can you show me how to tie my tie? And we sit there in front of the mirror, and 
That doesn't work really well on them, so I do it on me. And then here, why don't you try this on? And, you know, my daughter's had the same moment, you know, coming in dressed up in mama's stuff and a dress that's too long and shoes that are too big. But what do we say about imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. You see, when we participate in reconciliation, when we become not just sometimes the forgiver or the repenter, but sometimes the third-party person that brings people together, we're being imitators of Jesus Christ. And when God uses us to share the message of reconciliation, to reach out to somebody in my neighborhood and, and, and tell them a little bit about Jesus or to become a partner with them in reaching, we're becoming third-party reconciliation instigators. Now look up here for a moment when I ask you this question, where is God using you as a third party? Maybe you've been listening to this whole message, there's really no repenting God's putting on your heart. You're like, I'm, I'm good with God, I, there's no hidden sin, there's nothing, I, there's no relationships that are in a bad place, and maybe you're like, well, there's really no one I need to forgive right now, but what God might be you calling you to do is to become an instigator of reconciliation, to step into a difficult situation, to begin to pray for both parties that they would come back together. How is God using you? Now, I want to turn back to the text here. The big question on Jacob's mind as we cross from chapter 45 into 46, the question that Jacob is thinking about is, Joseph has invited me from the promised land down into Egypt, not just to go for a visit, but to move there. But should I? My grandfather, Abraham, moved to the promised land. Isaac, my father, lived his entire life in the promised land. Now, I, this is the promised land. I'm supposed to be here. Does God want me to move there? Let's pick up the text in chapter 46. It says, so Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba. This is the jump point, and he, he, you can tell what's on his mind because it says, and he offered sacrifices to God, the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Love that attitude. Then he said, I am God. The God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I also will bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Let me give you a third blessing of reconciliation. Reconciliation opens up new seasons of grace and peace and hope. God is opening up a new season of grace as Jacob will take his family down there. They will thrive even in the midst of five more years of famine. And beyond that, it will become 400 years where so much will happen in the family of Israel will become the nation of Israel. But I want to turn the attention to us for a moment. What new season of grace or peace, shalom or hope or fruitfulness might God be wanting to bring into your life, but he's waiting for you to take the step toward reconciliation. Maybe you feel stuck. I've certainly had seasons of stuck. Sometimes stuck is just God holding you in a place, in a, in a holding pattern. That's totally normal. But sometimes we're in stuck because we're not willing to deal with stuff, and God's like, you're staying here, 
until you deal with that. And if God is speaking to you through this series and saying, you need to deal with that. You need to forgive someone. You, you can't just keep holding to bitterness. Or you need to repent of some sin and deal with something. Or you need to embrace Jesus Christ for the first time. If you're stuck, we need to ask if there's any uns in our lives. Unforgiveness, unrepentance, or unwillingness to be an accomplice in reconciliation. Unforgiveness or unrepentance hold back God's plans and God's blessing in our lives. Go back to the verse five. It says, then Jacob set out from Beersheba and the sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods which they had gained in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt. And Jacob and all his offspring with him his sons and his son's sons with him and his daughters. thought that was interesting. I didn't know he had multiple daughters. That's awesome. His daughters and his son's daughters, all his offspring he brought with him to Egypt. Now skip ahead to verse 28. After listing the family, just to make sure everybody got on the bus, verse 28 it says, and he had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen and then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father in Goshen. Now, you ever wonder what that, what, I mean, if you're Joseph and you own the land, how are you meeting your dad? Are you just showing up in your kind of low-key kicks? Well, Joseph chose style, his thing. One thing we know about this, uh, the, the date that some people think that this is all happening, where Jacob is moving down, is 1876 B.C., and we also know from archaeology that roughly around this time, maybe a hundred years earlier, is when horses were introduced in Egypt. And so that led to the chariot, which was like cutting edge. At this point, chariots were cutting edge technology. If you were going to have bling, you came in a chariot. And Joseph's chariot's pretty hot, would be my guess. Okay. In fact, there was a whole, this is a, just a fascinating thing. I love studying archaeology history. Uh, we know that a new group called the Mariu were developed during this time. If you think about uh, the knights in the medieval age and how they were kind of a special group, that's what this group was. The Mariu, they were charioteers that became kind of high-level military people, um, some working for countries, some on their own. You can study more about that if you're curious about it, but here we go. Here's, here's Joseph showing up in the best of the best, and it says, he went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen, and he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. The last coming together. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Even for Jacob, death will be a moment of grace and peace. Sometimes we think we're at the end of our lives, and yet God has something bigger for us to see. A life-giving reconciliation can lead to a greater sense of life and peace. If you're thinking, is it worth it? It is. I love what uh, a commentator named Wenham wrote. He said, Joseph turns out to Jacob... To be completely real. And as he falls on his father's neck and weeps over him again and again, 
And because Joseph is alive, Jacob's attitude to death is revolutionized. Twice Jacob has declared that the loss of his sons will bring him in mourning to Sheol, the realm of hopeless dead. Now Joseph's resurrection allows Jacob to die in peace, just as the resurrection of a greater Joseph has allowed many to face death with courage and hope, is obviously pointing to Jesus Christ. What a beautiful transformation in Jacob's life, even at the very end, even though he had missed these moments with his son, a beautiful reconciliation that brings life to his spirit. I'm gonna ask you to turn ahead a few chapters to chapter 50. 17 years have gone by, and uh, Jacob, well, look up here, Jacob stopped talking about dying. He actually did it, but in such a beautiful way. An amazing funeral. The Egyptians are a part of it. But then we read in chapter 50, verse 15. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave us this command before he died. Chapter 50, verse 17. And say to Joseph, please, Forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. This is Jacob. He knew that maybe there was some harbored bitterness still in Joseph's heart. And so he told his sons before he died, he said, I want you to say this to Joseph when I'm gone. You can see the heart of Jacob even beyond his lifetime to bring reconciliation. And now please forgive. They, the brothers say, and now please forgive the transgression of your servants, the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Now it's interesting here. This is the first time in the text where the brothers actually ask forgiveness. They say things about it that Joseph overhears, but this is probably the first time where they actually say it themselves. Now maybe they had before, but they're repeating it. They're saying, we're so sorry. Now here's the question. Where is Joseph's heart? That's what they're trying to find out. Was Joseph's forgiveness just a temporary thing while dad was still around? Or did he really forgive us from his heart? Now what they're asking here is what is Joseph's trajectory? What is the trajectory of his heart? Now one thing we know, I jot this down, reconciliation is not an accident. Reconciliation is a choice. We're gonna look quickly at three choices. Reconciliation requires enduring effort. It's a process. Rarely are major offenses forgiven easily or quickly. It often takes processing. Reconciliation requires humility. Reconciliation requires a gospel perspective on life and eternity. I want to look at the first choice. It's a choice that every one of us has to make. You must choose a spiritual trajectory to pursue. Certainly the brothers had gone through 17 years of uncertainty. Now here's the funny thing. Do you remember back in the text in chapter 37? What were the brothers waiting for? When did they get all excited? When Joseph got away from his dad. Because dad was the protection for Joseph. But then he got out and he was visiting them and that's when they, they fell on him and took their revenge. Well now the brothers are in a reversed role. They're safe with Joseph as long as daddy's around. But now daddy's gone. 
So where is Joseph's heart? The question in play is, did Joseph again forgive temporarily or from the heart? Now, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, whether you're here and you're following him faithfully and seeking to grow in him or you're just checking out what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to know this. You have a spiritual trajectory. First on a global level with God, but also with other people. Now, the question they're wondering about is the trajectory of Joseph's heart a trajectory of rivalry and revenge, which had been the case throughout the last four generations of this family? Or was the trajectory of Joseph's heart restoration and grace? Now, what you're going to realize is for you, as for Joseph, it is a matter of faith. Will I follow God by faith in true forgiveness? Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.